All right, it's 2 o'clock in Las Vegas, live and local. It's the What's Right Show with Sam and Ash here every day this time. Well, not every day, but uh, every weekday. So we're here five days a week for your listening pleasure. Uh, Thrilled to be with you. Um, You know, big story, Ash, uh, today. It's actually hit the international media. Daily Mail, which is a a, a London-based publication, uh, an internet uh, paper has uh, reported exclusively on these filings uh, that have gone back and forth between the estate, the remainderman of Tony Shea, uh, who, of course, here locally uh, built Zappos and was, you know, the, uh, the chief visionary uh, and funder of the downtown project. Uh, and, and, and a couple other people that the estate, his father and brother, claim led Tony down a, a, a dark path of drugs and, and you know, accusing him swindling of, of swindling Tony out of millions and millions of dollars. I want to get into this. I, I think it's just hugely important because obviously the loss of Tony Shea was something for this city that we're, we're going to we're going to be still reeling from for many years to come. I think if there are people that played a role in that, that enabled him and, you know, and, and deliberately, as the lawsuit alleges, drugged him and, and encouraged his downward spiral in order to benefit financially. I think this is a story that affects us all and not just the estate. Ash, I mean, we're both lawyers, and so we, we look at these things, I think, a little bit differently than, you know, than just the tabloid media that will look at something like this and go for the sensational aspects. Uh, what do you make of this suit? Do you think that the estate – the father, the brother, the family of Tony Shea, that they've got a leg to stand on here. Well, yeah. Remember, this all basically started because his personal assistant originally filed a lawsuit against this estate for the $93 million that she was allegedly owed based on contracts and agreements they had made. And so that prompted the estate to actually fire back and say, one, no, those contracts weren't valid. And two, you also unjustly enriched yourself at the detriment of our son, of of Tony Shea. And here are all the examples of doing that. And so, look, I'm all about if there's a contract, the terms are laid out, everyone has mental capacity to enter the contract, they know what they're doing. And those, those terms are set out and agreed upon. I absolutely agree. You're entitled to the benefits of it, regardless of whether or not uh, it one of the parties maybe passed away. But here, that's not what happened. We're, ta- we're hearing of a situation where Tony Shea was spiraling out of control. He was known to have delusions. And he was... He was messing with drugs. He was all over the place. And here's a, it, it, every story shows how the people around him were utilizing his financial wealth to benefit themselves, despite seeing all of his ridiculousness, his behavior. Yeah, I, I I'm just gonna I'm going to the lawsuit because again, what we do here on the show is we go beyond just the headlines, and I, I try to go to the primary documents. So uh, I'm reading the lawsuits, the the pleadings, which are really just. You know, this is just a, a, a legal narrative of each side's perspective on what happened, right? This isn't testimony. It's not evidence, but it's a good place to go to kind of figure out what, what 
they're saying, right? And it's all we have. Right and it's now. all we have, right? So there's a paragraph um, on page 2350, uh, paragraph 57, if you saw this, and I'm sure you read this, um, the, where, this is where the family, again, this is the father and the brother of Tony Shea, are saying about the assistant, her name is Pham. Uh, the assistant also had a boyfriend or has a boyfriend, but at the time they were together named Grand. He lives in Las Vegas. He's a, a California attorney. Uh, and apparently the two of them kind of work together. The allegations are that they work together to get money out of Tony Shea. And here's what they say. They say that Fam and Grand knew that Tony was physically and mentally unwell and that he was in no condition to consider let alone approve significant investments or contracts for investment. Now, the, the word that when we lawyers see that, what we see is they're getting at something called capacity. And capacity is just a fancy way of saying, does the person have the ability to actually bind himself into, into making legal agreements, right? Well, in soundness of mind, you know, if, if you, you know, you, you can't sign a contract in your sleep, you can't sign a contract, you, a contract can be invalidated if you're heavily intoxicated. Drugs, obviously, um, also a part of this. So, it, you know, you can't try to get money out of somebody and give them a bunch of drugs and then get them to sign agreements that are absolutely benefiting you and only you. Yeah, we hear this. I think we hear this stories, these stories more frequently in the context of someone in the hospital on their deathbed and someone's trying to alter a trust or a will or something yes. like that. And yes. someone, the witness has to go in, the notary has to go in and make sure the person altering their will actually has soundness of mind. They have the capacity to make these decisions. They know the consequences of the decisions. And, and that's not based on what we've read that didn't exist, and Fam, the assistant, and her boyfriend, Grant, clearly knew that because of their um, involvement with him and their connection to him. I mean, just an example of this was apparently he was at, a, at his house, and when Tony boarded his bus, he was wearing only pajama pants, no shirt or shoes, and brought only a box of crayons with him. To go to Utah, to go from, to, from, yeah. from Nevada. And he had no suitcase with him. That is not a person that I go up to and think is capable of entering into a contract worth millions of dollars, let alone $100. Yeah, and to the extent, I'll tell you this, uh, to the extent that this attorney, and again, these are allegations, you know, we don't know anything for sure, but to the extent that an attorney participated in a scheme like this, uh, that is a huge a problem for for that lawyer, and and again, as a, you know, you and I both upstanding members of the bar, and we you know we we value our reputations. This is something. This is as, this is a type of behavior, uh, frankly, that can result in disbarment. So it'll be interesting to see. Again, these are allegations only. This case could end up for the lawyer that's involved be career ending. Okay, because if if this is proven in court, there will be a referral. Typically what happens in these cases, right, you know, if, 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 a, if the court sees, the judge sees that a lawyer is involved in this way and, and is proven and believes that he acted improperly, um, there oftentimes is a referral to the state bar. So the, this is a big deal. You can't – oh, by the way, what, what kind of money are we talking about here? This, this is not like $20, $1,000, even $100,000. I am – I've, I've read this. I, I mean, we're talking tens of millions of dollars at stake. 
Yeah, it's a lot of money. And this is an example. So the takeaway is the the assistant who sued the estate for her $93 million, she's likely not going to see a penny of that based on these capacity arguments that we're talking about. And the fact that she acknowledged that he did not have the capacity, mental capacity, physical capacity to enter these contracts with her. And then also she and all these other people might be responsible for reimbursing Tony Shea's estate for any unjust enrichment they they saw they saw as a result of taking advantage of him because look they did apparently have some sort of agent principal relationship there was some sort of financial advisory role that she was playing to him so i see a fiduciary argument to carry this on if you're just tuning in you're listening to the what's right show with sam and ash two of your favorite lawyers <laughs> here in las vegas who would never do anything like this to tony shea and and i'm just And we're talking about Tony Shea. We're talking about somebody who was beloved in this town who died. I can't believe it. It's going to be a year next month. And I still remember exactly where I was when I heard the news and, and it was crushing. Right. And we'd, you know, it was like all of this spiral that Tony was going through was the worst kept secret in town. And it was one of those things, too, that no one talked about out of respect to Tony. And the hardest thing, I remember after he died, I read that letter that Jewel, Jewel yeah. had written him. And, and not, to get, not to get terribly personal here, but, I, you know, and, and I may... I may just hold on through the you know through the break to to give you my kind of my personal story. And Ash, you're very familiar with this mm-hmm. and went through this with me. You know, there are so many of you that are listening that have had someone close suffer, you know, from this type of addiction. And it's I don't know the word I think that we feel when we're on the outside of it is powerless. Mm-hmm. We're powerless to be agents of good oftentimes. But what I I think the thing that really irks me, and that irks me isn't even the, even the right word, um, I think the thing that offends me to my core is knowing that there are people that are close to those that are suffering with addiction that see it as an opportunity for their gain. And if this in fact is true, I honestly think this is a matter not just for civil but for criminal charges to be filed. Okay, I, I'm going to get into more of this. I think we're going to stay with mm-hmm. this through the break because there's a lot here, and um, and, I, and you know we obviously we want to want to hear from you if if any of this, um, I, you know I, again maybe maybe some people out there think that this is just he did this to himself and fair enough an adult guy you know making adult decisions, uh, but you know if if there are people assisting him. You know, if they're actually there and they're and then they're writing themselves contracts for millions of dollars while he's, you know, bombed out of his mind. No, that's that's not right. All right. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. This is what's right. Okay, not not none of this taking advantage of people business. What's right with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT back right after this. We can't qualify you for the HOV lanes. But we will keep you company all day long with breaking news and the best in talk. Plus, uh, we won't eat in the passenger seat. News Talk 840 KXNT. The 
This is the What's Right show with Sam and Ash. You've made the second best decision today uh, to tune in between 2 and 3 here on KXNT. News Talk AM840. Um, also can hear us on the Odyssey app, which I have downloaded now, and I can't listen to myself, obviously, because I'm on air during the time that we have the show, but I do listen to the other programs on the app. It works great, et cetera, et cetera. I say second best decision because your your best decision today was getting up and and tackling the day and hopefully doing it without too many substances in your body. We're talking about the very sad uh, story here coming uh, well, actually, hitting the international news media, Tony Shea, his father and brother uh, are now countersuing. This is a technical term when they're answering a lawsuit, but also suing back at a, a – um, what is it, an assistant or some kind of a, a, a handler of Tony's that was and, – and her lawyer boyfriend, and the, together these two were doing all sorts of things for Tony – charging him millions of dollars, getting him to invest in some boondoggle movie and whatnot. And as it's coming out, we're very aware that Tony was spiraling out of control and that he was on all sorts of you know drugs and that he certainly may not have been, uh, again, allegedly based on what's in this countersuit, may not have been aware of everything that was, was going on. And right before the break, I, you know, I, I said, I, I, I think we all, many of us now, unfortunately, have stories of people that we've been close to that, you know, that get into drugs and that it, it begins to affect them. And the most frustrating, most powerless feeling is being on the outside of that and watching the person completely deteriorate. Now, the problem is that we, we have a lot of people listening to this program, and, and, and I have to be very careful about how I say this, but somebody very close to me um, you know, I, I watched this person spiral out of control with, um, with, with a, a few different powerful drugs. And the, the hardest thing, right, was, you, you know, you can't reason with the person. You can't explain to them. You can't show them. You can't put a mirror up to them and convince them then what they're doing is, is not good because the, the, the craziest thing is that the drugs – and I read this inside the suit. This actually triggered this or made me think of this thought, Ash, is that I'm, I'm reading what Tony's dad and brother are writing, and I'm, my heart is just breaking because I've been there, and I know how hard it is to watch. You're, you're, you're watching someone die, essentially, in front of you, change completely, but they themselves think that they're on top of the world. Right? They think they're 100% on top of the world and are living large and fantastic, and meanwhile, they're not. Yeah, and part of that, unfortunately, is as you and I look at that person and watch them deteriorate and change entirely, and you almost see someone leave their body as you know it and kind of go off in the distance, and you're never going to get that person back. But the hardest part is they're surrounded by people that are – enjoying this because they've found a way into that person's orbit now and so they'll excuse bad behavior they'll in fact yeah. enable it for their own personal gain and yeah. that's real that's one of the saddest parts because then they create this new bubble of friends quote quote around them that and those friends know that they have to truly alienate 
the person, the addict, from their true friends, or the people that have their real best interests at heart, because those true friends are going to do everything to get them back and bring them back to their senses. And so it's it's really sad, especially reading this. Yeah, this, I mean, I'll just tell you kind of a little bit of the details, and people are wondering it being too, too obscure here. So, I mean, imagine this, you know, we had a friend who was married. He was, you know, I guess unhappy. We, we didn't necessarily know this, but um, met um, a someone, a, a, a gal, and this gal began plying him with drugs, and she was a pro. Uh, that, that was the fact of it. I mean, she was a pro. She knew what she was doing, plied him with drugs, and got him really to abandon every single one of his friends, including his own family. And at some point, certain people you know, that were close to him tried to, you know, tried to reason with him. And, and uh, I, I learned one thing, and if there's anything to take away from this entire conversation that could be applicable in a, at a future date and time, it's this. There is a particular way about going about a intervention. And I found this out because as it turns out, I went about the intervention completely the wrong way. And, and, and again, we're talking about this because of Tony Shea. Tony is back in the news. Unfortunately, you know, almost a year after his death, there's been a lawsuit filed uh, by his uh, – well, by the assistant and, and her boyfriend, and, and they want some money out of the estate, and the estate is countersuing. So – but I remember in all of this when, you know, when it all came to light of, of how bad the spiral was at the end, I remember reading that letter that Jewel sent. If you remember, Jewel and Tony mm-hmm. Shea were very close, and this letter was just heartbreaking. And you could tell this was someone that valued Tony as a human and saw him really f- kind of coming apart and coming, you know, just deteriorating before her eyes. And and so it reminded me back then, and, it, and now I'm thinking of it again now. Is so I, what I tried to do with my friend is I I um, I I called his dad and I I tried to get you know I I thought okay who's the one person that he's going to listen to. And I, I called his dad and I, I tried to get, you know, I tried to get him. I thought that that would, that he would listen to his father and, and, and instead really turned on me as being a, you know, a, a horrible person for involving his family when, I mean, his family was already involved and this was not, this was not the right response. So then of course I became a, you know, an instant enemy. And so the right way I found this out later as I went through this, the right way of doing this apparently. Do you, do you know this, by I the know, way? Ash? Okay, there, yeah. there's a right way of, of doing an intervention. And it isn't one person. You, you invite them over, and you have not one, two, but you have 12, 15 close people there. And then you've got a, you've got a, a, a professional, you know, a gal or a guy from a facility, from a professional treatment facility there. And I don't want to say they got a paddy wagon, but basically there's a car like idling outside. And what, and maybe this is not, this has changed, but at the time when this happened several years ago, this was the, the, the recommended thing that I had people tell me, Sam, you did it wrong. You should have had the car there, the pro there, sat down with, you know, 10, 12, 15 people, depending on how many friends this person has and, and just say, Hey, bud, you know, Hey, you know, son, daughter, you know, friend, it, you need help. And you go around the room and everybody says, we love you. We want you to get help. We want you to recover. And 
and and then you go look fred over here <laughs> fred is ready to go and he's a great guy and they got a great facility and the car's running and we got you we we're gonna water your plants and we're gonna feed your dog and we're gonna take care of your kids and we're gonna pay your rent but you basically have everything lined up like that so i learned that the hard way you can't you know because you you'll end up getting singled out as the as, as the bad guy and that's how it happened and and i ended up the bad guy a lot of people ended up being the bad guys and and in the end and and that's you know that's what happened with Shay. He just pushed everyone away except for the people that were that were allowing his habit to continue. Yeah, and if you're someone and you you know someone is struggling with addiction or any type of addiction, and you're excusing their bad behavior and you're enabling it and you're actually benefiting from it, that's not right. That's not okay. You've got to find a way to help them get better and get through that. Um, because it's going to have a tragic ending. Speaking of that, 34 felony arrests made during EDC. We're going to talk about that when we come back. And other news locally here in Las Vegas, the What's Right Show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840. Alan Stock here. I'm a veteran radio broadcaster here in the Las Vegas area for over 22 years. What's Right with Sam and Ash is a show to listen to, something to not miss. Every weekday live for one hour starting at 2 p.m. right here on AM840 KXNT. You can also get more of Sam and Ash, my legal team, on my Vegas Today show every Tuesday morning at 8.30. So stay tuned in because you deserve what's right. And it's the bottom of the hour here, 2.30-something in beautiful Las Vegas. This is the What's Right Show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. The show, as always, broadcasting from our downtown office. By the way, proved almost a liability to us today, (laughs) about an hour before the show went on air. (laughs) We had a bank robbery two blocks away. Not even two. Is it two blocks? Yeah, it's two blocks away. Um, This is uh, what we call kind of the, the, I don't know, the incidental uh, benefits of living in downtown Las Vegas. Yeah, the Beagle Boys uh, decided to go visit uh, the Wells Fargo on the corner of, what is it, uh, Charleston and Las Vegas Boulevard. I think the suspect is in custody. Is that what you're reading? Yeah, Ash? that's what I'm reading. Okay, well, good. So they they got the guy or gal. I don't want to be a sexist. So there it is. Um, I mean, just <sighs> one. It's great that there were no injuries. Two, always excitement downtown. But <laughs> three, can we agree that this is definitely the sketchiest Wells Fargo on like in and around our office? Okay, I legit. I, so here's the funny thing. I. I'm not going to do it now because I'm going to admit this, and now I can never. Now that I'm saying it publicly, now I can never go there again. I would, I would always go there, you know, to get cash out of the machine because there's a drive-through machine, and it is sketchy. And you went there with me once or twice, right? And you were always like, "What the hell are you doing?" I had doing? to be the lookout. It's so well, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it was like we were in a stagecoach, and you were you were riding shotgun literally. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is it is sketchy. I'm not surprised. I, I had a I, uh, my my one comment too is that there were at one point about two hundred. It looked like two hundred metro officers there on on scene. Yeah, they were on it. You gotta love metro when when you know when the when the you know what hits the fan. They are there, and so uh, big kudos to to metro and the marshals also from the city. I believe where I saw them out there, and I, thank you for your service. Thank you for rushing in to danger. 
I understand there were customers in the bank at the time of the robbery. So like Ash said, as best as I've, I've heard now is that there are no injuries and everybody's fine. If that's not the case, then I stand corrected. But I am very pleased that this, uh, I guess, ended uh, relatively peacefully. Now, uh, what I guess was not as peaceful as it could have been, but better than in years past, uh, EDC, the Electric Daisy Carnival, that I know absolutely nothing about, so I won't pretend to, other than I saw some pictures of it from a helicopter at night, and it looked purdy. Yeah. Uh, looked real purdy. Uh, saw some photos. It just looked like a lot of lights in the <laughs> desert. You know, it's over at the uh, the speedway. The speedway. Yeah. I was there recently for a NASCAR event, which goes to show you kind of where my interests lie. Uh, so not quite EDC, more NASCAR. A different type of speed. A different type of speed. <laughs> yes. Got it. <laughs> Speaking of. 34 felony arrests. How many of those do you think were drug-related? All? Um, okay, so 34 felonies, 43 misdemeanors, 6 DUIs, and that's over three. Only 6 DUIs? I so, yeah, so over three days. Are you impressed like at how low it is, or are you shocked at how high that number is? Quite honestly, I'm shocked at how low it is. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same, especially for the DUIs. That's pretty impressive, I think. I mean, I'm okay. So, I'm, I'm just, for me, EDC, I'm just a huge fan that it's happening. Mm-hmm. I thought it should have happened last year. It didn't. You know, something called COVID came in the way of it. Oh, COVID. Um, and I, you know, I, my, my, these, all these organizers that do, that, I don't think people realize what it takes to organize an event like this. And also, people don't realize what it means to the city for the county, for our state in revenues. It's Mm -hmm. so critical. So, you know, we, you and I, Ash, we've always been huge fans of tourism for our state and people visiting and coming from out of state. And and really, Vegas is this place that we have to balance. We talk about this a lot. The anything goes, you know, carefree fantasy, right? Kind of a come here and party and have fun. At the same time, please don't drive drunk. Please don't run people over in crosswalks. Please try not to kill anyone um, because that, you know, this is our city and our town. This is our, these are our kids, our, our friends, our neighbors. These are neighborhoods for us. Yeah, exactly. I Look, it's not my type of music. It's not my type of scene. I would have rather been at NASCAR. But like you said, the reason EDC. Formula One. True. Right. I, I'm fingers crossed. You know, Formula One was in Texas and I heard Vegas sent some people down to sniff it out yes. and lure Formula One up to the strip. I would love that. Yes. It would also maybe expedite repaving the boulevard. But um, <laughs> that's a side note. The importance of Vegas to our EDC to our economy in the last 10 years EDC has been in Las Vegas. It has actually generated $2.5 billion for our local economy. That's an insane amount of money. So, look, again, I, I welcome all of its uh, visitors and patrons, but please, next time, let's do it a little more sober and not on the roadway. Yeah, you know, um, one unintended, absolutely, one unintended consequence, Ash, was that there were so many people in hotel rooms, which you know, speaks to that multi-billion dollar figure you just read. You realize how many hotel rooms were taken. And, you know, I, I spend a, a fair amount of time on the Strip. I've got a small condo on the Strip, and on the weekends I usually will stay on the Strip with the family. And so I, I always notice when it's busy. It was busy this weekend. It was busy. It was so busy that, believe it or not, 
in, an, in hotels, and, and this is being reported by a guy named Las Vegas Locally who's a, a, a blogger in town. It basically, at, at Resorts World, employees from all depart- departments, including vice presidents, were, were being recruited, and uh, I, I think, you know, forced to go and help with. This is being used yeah, recruited. Loosely. I mean, they were, being, they were being put on housekeeping duty because of a worker shortage. They literally had vice presidents at Resorts World changing sheets. Now, I read this and I thought, that's great. Vice presidents should, from time to time, go and change sheets. Mm-hmm. You know me in the parking lot outside. Again, you know, we have an office in a in a up-and-coming part of town. And there is also wind, like today's bomb cyclone that blew through. So, you know, I go out there with a, a picker-upper and, and a trash can. And I pick up trash in the parking lot. I think it's important to be a servant leader. And so I love this. Like, I think this is really, really cool. And I'm I'm a huge fan of it, and I I hope I want to I want to hear more actually about this to know how it was received because I hope that those vice presidents went in and said, "Yep, sh- shoulder to the wheel, you know, um, this may be a bad thing, but we're going to go in and, and and work side by side with housekeeping because I think nothing is better for morale than that." Well, and I also agree thinking. VPs probably go into these rooms and see how they're actually being used and are going to take it to their next property or their next job and make it that much better. Because I don't know, I've stayed in a property recently and there wasn't a light, an outlet next to the bedside table. Who does that? And it's a relatively new hotel. And I go, how? In 2010, 2020? Literally designed by someone who never stays at hotels. Right. And so have to pull every nightstand, move it, try and figure it out. And that's, and I'm (laughs) like, at night when you're tired. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm sure a bunch of these VPs walked into these hotel rooms and noticed how the, the, the actual room was being used inefficiently and maybe going to take that information and, and move forward with it as they remodel or anything like that. I mean, so I, Look, I think it's great for morale. I always think it's great to actually see how a product's being used. And I'm sure they just got some great laughs because of having to go in there during EDC. Well, that's actually funny enough because uh, they found some EDC-related goodies in the room. Goodies, I think, is code for drugs, Maybe. (laughs) Allegedly. I don't know what people at EDC do. Can I ask another question? What's your standard? uh, What do you think the standard tip is for housekeeping? Like, uh, you know, like uh, each night. Do you do one each night? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what I do. I'll leave a 20. I'll leave a 20. I leave a 20. Yeah. I I do. And I now I feel. Or if I'm, if I have a bunch of people in my room, I'll leave more. Exactly. It depends on if it's standard. When do you have a bunch of people in your room? You know, Rocky has parties occasionally. (laughs) Like Rudy and Bella? Yeah. Yeah. Those are, by the way, Rocky's dog friends who happen to be it's my a, kids. It's an animal house. Uh, animal house. They're all three of them are all dachshunds, miniature dachshunds. Rocky has short hair. Mine have long hair. It's a sensitive subject. They um they do get along and uh and and yeah when they all get together it's like a weenie fest so it's pretty funny so okay understood you do have more people in your room from time to time got it <laughs> um yeah I think if by the way if you are not tipping. In this climate today, these poor housekeepers in town are getting worked to the bone. There is not enough people around. Don't be 
a jack, a money, money. Okay. Tip, leave money in the room, put it on the dresser. And, um, and even, you know, I tell you, even maybe a note with a smiley face wouldn't be the end of it. Uh, the worst thing. And that's the thing I would say, even if it's not $20, leave it, leave something. I mean, please, these workers are doing everything they can to make your time as enjoyable as possible. And they're struggling because other people aren't entering the workforce for whatever reason. And so just, you know, be kind. Like you said, if you, it can't be monetary, leave a kind note or something. No, I I think, look, if you're spending 500 bucks on a hotel, Okay, you can definitely leave 20 bucks and and you know and forget the note. They don't want the note. They want the 20 bucks. Uh, all right, when we come back, the housing market. I want to talk about the housing market. If you own a home, this is interesting to you. If you don't own a home, this is interesting to you. If you live in Las Vegas, this is interesting to you. Trust me. Back after this, the What's Right show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM840 KXNT. Make your mornings right. Glenn Beck at six. Vegas at 8 with Alan Stock and Dana at 9. Breaking news, thought starters, and opinions for Southern Nevada. News Talk 840, KXNT. Stay connected. Sam and Ash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Sam and Ash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Yeah, baby, you're listening to What's Right Show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Boy, Ash, it's almost wrapping up the hour here. Where, where, did, where does time go when you're having fun? I um, know. All right. Uh, the housing market. The housing market. Okay. Um, it's hot. It's red hot. and But there's some nuance to the numbers. And, you know, I'm... We are lawyers. We also are business people. You know, we started this law firm, so we're entrepreneurs. And and we live in Las Vegas, and we both have houses in Las Vegas. And so we are, you know, kind of fascinated by this because I, I'm curious where the market goes. So here's – there's a, a, a news story that came out in the RJ today saying the housing market is seeing real impact of high demand and low supply. And it's – you know, on its face, that 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 subject line um, title of the piece suggests that you know we are um, just don't have enough houses to go around, and that's partly true. But there's an, there's some, I guess, some nuance to this. So, uh, builders, the guys that are building new boxes in the desert for us and churning them out, um, they uh, had they were up twelve percent from August, but actually down. year over year. So from, from this same time period last year, they're down in terms of their net sales, which is interesting. I read that and I thought, huh? And I, and I wait and I, I know Ash is already, she, I think she's a step ahead of me. I think there's a reason for that. Now, median closing price of newly built homes is up 13.9% year over year almost 14% higher this year than it was last year. If you bought a house a year ago, on average, you just made 14% on your investment, which is a great ROI, return on investment. That's fantastic. Now, there are uh, what, you know, single family homes, the number's actually even higher, 15.4%. So if you bought a single family house, those are the hot ticket item. 
I think that coming out of the pandemic or even amidst a pandemic, everyone wanted more space. If you were in, an, in a studio apartment, you wanted a two-bedroom condo. If you were in a two-bedroom condo, you wanted a house with a yard. If you were in a house with a yard, you wanted a house with a game room and a movie theater, right? It's kind of people, everybody wanted more space as they were spending more time at home. Now, on everyone's mind, Ash, is where does this go from here? What do you think? I think it slows down. Okay. I'll tell you what I think the X factor is in all of this. Okay. Tell me. I think that the Nevada housing market is driven all primarily, I don't want to say almost exclusively, but primarily by work from home. I think, and this is, I know this anecdotally, right? There's not a lot of data on this. But I think that the number of Californians I know that moved here, like I moved here to start a business and, and plant my roots, right? So for me, it's a different thing. I'm, we have a bricks and mortar business. Our business can't be really done remotely because we help people and we all need to be in one place to do that. Now, for a lot of people in California that we know that moved out here, it's because they can do what they do out here. For example, we know a fairly prominent LA talk show host, right? We're not going to name him, but he's literally doing a show from Las Vegas. He doesn't mm -hmm. tell anybody he is, but he is because he can sell a house in, in LA for $7 million and buy, buy an overpriced nice house here for three and a half and pocket the difference, and that's attractive to, to, to a lot of people. Yeah. So I, the minute – so I guess yeah. what I'm getting at is what happens – when work from home starts to end or does it end? I think that's going to be the driver in figuring out if there's any kind of a, a huge fall off for demand. Yeah, I, I actually think a lot of the positions that are allowing work from home that have forced people that are, have allowed people to move to work from home. Those people are doing so under the impression that it's not going to ever be taken away from them. This is their job is a work from home job. There, are, I know there's a lot of companies in California that are allowing people to work remotely for a certain period of time, and then they'll reevaluate it and then determine whether or not people come back into the office. So I think the people that have moved because they can work from home uh, to Vegas. I, I think those jobs will last. I don't see them losing that opportunity, but it might slow down. I think there are going to be fewer new remote work jobs in the workforce. So I don't know. I, I don't, I, I still think it's going to slow down. As, as a lawyer and as a business guy, I, and I just putting on that hat of, of what do most employers want? And there's something about, spontaneous interactions from all being together in an office that creates I, creative progress at, 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 with a project worth work. I was just talking to a friend here in town who's a, a software designer, you, you know, a developer, and he has a company, he's a very successful guy. And he says, he, sa he told me this over the weekend. He said, there's certain things that you can't do remote because you'll be hanging out looking at a problem and everybody's writing up on the whiteboard. And suddenly you have that moment where you, you just, it hits you. Sure. I agree. But there are certain jobs like, I don't know, being an insurance adjuster or just working in a phone bank that you don't need to be sitting in a cube right next to someone else. Agreed. So there's that no creativity yes, behind yes, it. Yes, so, yes. Okay. Now I got to move on. Cause I didn't okay. do my Sammy on the spot yesterday. Oh, Sammy on the spot. I okay. Know. I'm ready. Okay. So today's headlines. What is Sammy on the spot? If somebody's just tuning in. 
Oh, it, I give you a headline article on the spot and get your take on the fly, you know? You so the two you have... people on the billboards that you pass all the time on the freeway, Sam and Ash, Ash tries to stump Sam. Go, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, SpaceX needs to tame toilet trouble before we can <laughs> launch. During SpaceX's first private flight last month, a tube came unglued, spilling urine onto fans. Yeah, I know. Not pretty. Not pretty. Um, and recently discovered inside the Dragon capsule. Um, so they've permanently fixed it. They've welded the urine flushing tube on their newest capsule named Endurance. I thought the new name was maybe fitting um, in light of this headline, but would you ever get in a space capsule if there's a potential for a urine tube to go flying off the Yesterday, we had our dear friend James Orr on, who was the uh, director, and I think he could – now we have a new project name for him. We call it Space Piss. Space Piss. And it it could be like a whole – it could be multiple movies, Space Piss 1, 2 – um, you know, Space Piss 3, The Return of the Endurance. Um, I, <sighs> what do I think of this? I, I think that these are problems that have to be solved, right? I mean, you, you know, the, the funniest thing is that as, as complicated and developed as tech gets, it still comes down to the basics. The toilet. Like a flushing toilet. <laughs> But the zero G's has a thing that, you know, the, that's, I, you know, it's the thing you don't think about. You know, they say, let's live in space. Well, great idea. But who wants, you know, who wants their, their waste to come out of the Gravity toilet back, back out at them? I mean, nobody, nobody does that. That's, Do you remember when we took the, Allegi- <laughs> the tour of Allegiant Stadium and they said how one day they all had to show up and everyone had to man a toilet and basically – they flushed every toilet in the stadium at once to mm-hmm. test it. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember that. And that's something they didn't do on the space rocket. Clearly. Um, so that they, sh- they should have talked to, uh, to the Allegiant people and said, what did you guys do with those toilets? Because your stadium looks like a spaceship. Our spaceship looks like a spaceship. You know, this could have been You've the got solution. a toilet. We've got a toilet. Yeah. Pff, yeah. Apples to apples. Um, so I th- that's a great story to get me with. That's my reaction. I'm sure everybody's tuned out at this point. Okay. The podcast is always up after the show. Uh, go there. Uh, it's on Apple iTunes and um, what is it? The, Spotify. Thank you. That one. The What's Right Show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT.